one. Hello and welcome to the Discography Divers, the show where we pick an artist and listen to their whole album, all of their albums, and rank them. I'm Nick Moffat. I'm Shannon McLean. Yeah, and okay, we're a married couple. You know, we listen to music separately. We but... do like to say that at the top of every episode. Right. Uh, just, just to be, you know, for full, for full uh, contemplancy, you know, uh, made up a word there. And we just want to <laughs> make sure that everyone knows that up front. Um, we didn't cheat. Okay. We're, we're not we cheating. listened to the, the album separately. Okay. Well, yeah, we definitely listened to the album separately, but we're ranking them together with our good friend. Today we're here with Kellen Duffy. Hello, my little dumplings. <laughs> yes, and we are talking about Kate Bush. Uh, Kate Bush is a very uh, popular artist who was pro- mostly prolific in the 80s, a couple albums in the 70s, a couple albums in the 90s. Later on, there were some albums in the 2000s. She's been around for a while, but uh, she's great. Uh, she's known for art pop, I think, is the best way to describe her, because she... She makes pop music, but she's kind of all over the place with that. Yeah, she's a bit experimental. She's a singer, a songwriter, a dancer. Yeah. A babe. She's a babe. Yeah. She's a mega babe. She's a mega babe. If she were president, I... she'd be Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, she's been my desktop wallpaper for several years. Oh wow! Very very nice wallpaper. So, Kellen, you helped us pick Kate Bush, though. This was this was your idea to do Kate Bush, and I mean, I'll be honest, right from the top, um, I I had very little experience with Kate Bush. I the only album I had heard from Kate Bush was Hounds of Love, and uh, I listened to that for the first time last year in 2020. Wow. Oh, really? Yeah, my what friend led you. My friend Nick Rapier uh, was. I asked him if there were any good spring albums. And I uh, okay. and he recommended uh, Hounds of Love as one of them. And you know, now that I'm like deep in Kate Bush, I think she actually has better spring albums, honestly, which we can get to. We can get They're, to that. But yeah. I straight up had I don't think I had heard I had heard a single song. That's exciting to me. Not a single. I song. don't think I heard, I don't think I've heard her at all before this. Wow. Like the name sounded like vaguely familiar. Honestly, I guess this is like kind of in years that I don't generally like go towards like 80s music i'm just kind of like look the other way for a lot of my life <laughs> so Kellen, all those <laughs> glassy drum machines and digital reverb oh hell yeah love you that know? digital reverberations but yeah we don't I, I guess in our house we don't always go back to the the 80s that's just <laughs> not um like i feel like we listen to a lot of the smiths but uh, I feel like we don't go too deep on the 80s. No, I mean, when I think 80s music, I really am taken back to like uh, like elementary school, middle school. Wesley, my older brother, listening to a lot of 80s music and me being like, this shit sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta so. check out Rick Astley, Shannon. <laughs> sticks, let's turn on some sticks. Yeah, sticks, <laughs> flock of seagulls, baby. Uh, it's kind of funny. Be- I, I told several of my friends that I was doing this podcast and they're like, Oh, like what, what's the podcast? And I gave them the, the gist, you know, the concept of your guys's podcast. And they're like, that's awesome. What, you know, whose discography are you doing? I'm like Kate Bush. And it was just like this white 
slate face just slackened their jaws. They don't it they were immediately uninterested every single time that they <laughs> Great. Kellen actually lost Who's us that? listeners. <laughs> oh great, Scarvenires. They're doing Kate Bush this week. Oh God. I mean, Kellen, that actually was like something I said to you when we were, um, you know, uh, trying to decide on artists. I was like, well, I don't want to do anyone like too obscure. And you sold me on Kate Bush. You were like, this is going to be really interesting. Uh, You guys, your minds are going to be blown, is what you said. Right. Yeah, I know you guys and I know you like eclectic stuff. Most of the time that I've been to your like end of the year music parties, I don't even know what you guys are playing. You know, and generally speaking, I don't really have anybody that I nerd out with Kate uh, about Kate Bush with. She's kind of been like my secret little treasure. Although I have been, you know, I've become a little more aware of her. She, I think she's experiencing a resurgence in in uh, certain communities. But uh, yeah, cool. I well, like. uh, we're in the Kate Bush circle now. Kate Bush. And I mean, I have to say my mind was, my mind was blown, honestly. Like, uh, I feel like I did learn a lot. Um, I, I say this often when we're on the show that I learned a lot, <laughs> which, you know, it's, it, it really is a learning experience because you dive so far into, um, an artist and seeing their whole career. It's like, wow, they really went through a lot. And Kate Bush, especially, it's like. Going from hardly knowing anything about her, going from one album to nine albums over the course of, mm-hmm. you know, four decades, it's like, you know, you, you really hear a lot of different types of music. And uh, there's a reason why she's been around for so long. She's a reason why she's acclaimed. She's, you know, for, for me real quick, when, when I've told people that, um, that we're doing Kate Bush, um, I've gone like a lot of like, oh, really interesting, like that sort of reaction. And like, uh. I definitely like had that. What was that? I like I like that. Yeah, yeah. And I I've had a few friends especially say like, yeah, she's she's known for being really artistic. You know, and you know I yeah, I feel like Kate Bush is what I wish musical theater was. Yeah, I feel that. <laughs> I've never really been able to get into musical theater, but there's an aspect she like she has a bunch of association with prog rock people like David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, Peter Gabriel from Genesis and uh, Alan Parsons project. A lot of the musicians from that group are involved in the first, in her first album. But I feel like she's taken what prog rock is like, you know, def- like, the definition of prog rock and actually like really fleshed it out where other bands kind of get limited by their musicianship and weird time signatures and egos and arena rock crap, you know? But when I'm listening to her, I feel like, like there's imagery going on. That's a little more powerful than your average, you know, musical experience. Yeah, and when you listen to, when you talk about prog rock, I always think of, you know, these like hard rock bands, King Crimson, Rush, Mars Volta, you know, and so it's like, okay, so Kate Bush, 
Kate Bush is a pop musician. Oh, oh, the other thing that you told me when, when you were kind of selling me on Kate Bush was about the microphone and how the right. microphone that was that you always see Britney Spears uh, using when she's dancing. Garth Brooks. Yeah, like <laughs> that microphone was was designed for her. Right. You know, so so the fact that she's like a pop musician who has like I'm assuming like you know she dances on stage you know because she needs that you know handheld microphone the right. wrapped around her head, uh, and then and then uh, then you're also comparing her to progressive rock which is like you know Rush. I'm like, who the hell is this person? You know what what's right. going on here? Yeah, yeah. and. Yeah, the well, that's an, the microphone bit is interesting because she had that developed for her one and only tour in 1979 um, because she insisted on dancing and singing for the production. And then the interesting thing about her to me is that after that tour, she didn't tour again until... 2014 when she had a residency in in london for like 30 days that's but it's fascinating. like in in our world i don't know that that's even possible for a musician to be able to make a living without touring yeah. like i think that the way that the industry has changed you know she's kind of like a lightning in a bottle type of gal yeah that is mind-blowing um that she didn't tour also like very disappointing if you're a fan of hers (laughs) yeah i think so yeah i mean that kind of segues me into um our warm-up questions i have like this set of warm-up questions and you know we're not gonna go through all of them but one of the warm-up questions is have you seen this artist live which i mean i have these written for every band that we do but i mean clearly the answer is no you know we weren't alive in uh 1979 and it's a no with a but I found a Kate Bush tour t-shirt from the 2014 residency that she did that was called Before the Dawn at a Value Village in Linwood. That's cool. And I'm like, how did this get here from London? You know? <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, how long was she a resident for? Um, someone could have... I think it was like 30 days. Okay. So, thirty-day window for someone in the United States, probably Washington, to go over there, see her in that tour, uh, in that thirty-day window, come buy a shirt, come back, and then decide they don't want to wear the shirt anymore, What's and up then with that? lose like a hundred pounds. <laughs> I'm gonna fly to London to see this person I've wanted to see for my whole life. I don't want the shirt anymore. I bought though. the wrong size. <laughs> totally bought the wrong size. Okay, so going into the warm-up questions, um, it, basically the first one you know that I like to ask everyone is, uh, what's your best or favorite uh, opening track? Kellen, do you have a favorite opening track? Favorite opening track? Well, um, yeah, definitely. That would be Babushka Ooh. on the Never Forever. Yeah, it's a good one. That was that was From one of 1980s. my 1980s. Yeah, I actually have a note on here about Babushka. The first time I heard it was, "Is this a nursery rhyme?" <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Babushka. Uh, Nick, Shen, Nick loves a, nursery uh, rhymes. Yeah. 
in the in the before times it was my it was a go to for karaoke. Ooh. Yeah. That'd be a good karaoke one. I, I could see that. Ruin people's good time with that one. <laughs> but like pretty pretty simple lyrics. <laughs> you can get by. Yeah, it's got a nice little story. So uh, good. I mean I a lover's that was, deception. That was definitely one that I that I thought, but I, I ultimately said Hounds of Love. Running up the hill. Running up the hill. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I classic. Like that's actually what I wrote down too, and uh, I was kind of leaning towards the best in terms of I don't know. I just feel like that's the easy answer, and yeah, I went with the easy answer, guys. Get off my case, but I do think you know there's a reason why it's the easy answer. It's just it's just a great song. It's the it's like the ultimate. That's the ultimate Kate Bush song. I mean, that's the one that all the people who don't listen to Kate Bush are like, oh yeah. I like that song a lot. Right. I'm not saying that that's you guys. I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> and also there's nothing when, wrong when with that. When everybody Right? I mean Yeah, when yeah. You remember when everybody started listening to Float On by Modest Mouse? Yeah, hey, we did Modest Mouse on our last episode. I well, hey, continuity people. Yeah. Um okay, so on the other side of it, on the flip side, what is the best favorite closing track? I struggled oh, and with you know, this one. Okay, Kellen, do you have and a you know what? I I th- I think I spoke first last time, but doesn't Shannon go first on this one? Yeah, Shannon, what's what's your on favorite? this podcast? <laughs> Shannon goes I'm first sorry, on Shannon. on the ones that Shannon wants to go first on. Okay, <laughs> and okay. this is not one of them because I actually don't have an answer. <laughs> okay, um, okay, I'll go with mine first. Then I I picked a Hammer Horror off of uh, the line. Oh yeah. Part. And I, I did that because I just think it's a really crutchy song. It reminds me of Halloween and scary movies. And it's also yeah. like a, it's also a like reference to the production company that makes horror movies, um, Hammer, Hammer Films. And they're the ones who do all the Peter Cushing um, Frankenstein movies and Dracula movies. And uh, some of my favorites. side question. Yeah. Do you, do you have a favorite Hammer film? Um, yeah, I, I have to say their version of Dracula where it's, um, yeah, it's Dracula horror versus of Dracula. like, uh, Van Helsing. I mean, that's not the title. It's, it's, yeah, it's called the horror of Dracula. Yeah. And yeah. that, that's my favorite, that's my favorite Dracula. So it's also my favorite hammer horror movie. I, that's, that was my answer too. Not oh, the nice. song, the movie. You guys are I, I love darling. that movie. Look at us. Oh, Maybe we should be married. Worth. <laughs> You're not the first uh, to come on this podcast and try to steal my husband. <laughs> I'm not woman was, enough to take your man. Yeah. Um. So, uh, what is your favorite then, Gallon? I would. I, I'm kind of torn a little bit. So are you all out of faith? <laughs> Cold and lying, lying naked, naked on the floor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think. You're the one on uh, the red shoes. I I was torn between nice. that and um, this woman's work because that mm. song makes me cry like a little little baby every single time I hear it. But you're the one is like the red shoes in general is like one of my big breakup albums. I don't think it is a breakup album, but. I was going through one when I really wore the wore the tracks out on this one. 
and uh that's a that's a great song i like all the weird synths and uh just the sentiments of the so good sad sad lyrics yeah i actually wrote down a contender for best final track so that was my answer if i didn't choose hammer horror Shan, I'll be did dang. you figure out what your favorite is? or I'm, should we... I'm just going to agree with Kellen. Okay, cool. <laughs> to be honest, those were like the two that I was like eyeballing. That's yeah. the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, I feel like we should uh, just jump right into the podcast then, the meat and bones of this podcast, where we uh, go through the discography and our rankings. Shan, do you want to uh, give us a little breakdown on how we do this? Uh, you know, sure. I will. So, uh, like we said before, we chose an artist. This artist is Kate Bush. The three of us went our separate ways, listened through chronologically, and uh, determined our rankings, favorite to least favorite, best to worst, whatever you want to call it. Then we come back together and we go through our rankings. We uh, talk about it at the time, like whoever has it the highest, that's who dictates uh, when we talk about it. And... Oh, don't we... Do we have like a phrase or something? How do oh my we... Gosh, how do we... Nick. Funny you bring that up because we do have a phrase, and the phrase for this episode is "Don't want your bullshit." Don't want that bullshit. What is it? Don't, don't want, want your don't, bullshit. Don't, yeah. yeah, it's "Don't want your bullshit." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't want your bullshit. Um, quick, do you want to tell that quick anecdote about anecdote about our uh, our little tot, our our one year old singing this song? Oh my god, I swear <laughs> to God, our one year old sang this to me uh, yesterday. Like, hey. I mean, it's not clear. Obviously, she's one; she's not talking very clearly. But uh, I was listening to it in the car, and then I turned the car off and went to get her out of the car, and she looked at me in the eyes and said, "Don't want your bullshit," but like in baby voice. (laughs) And like I heard it though; like nobody else would say like that's what she was saying, but I heard it with my soul. Yeah. Feel that, that. I feel that. Remarkable. She does you. mimic like full sentences sometimes. So like that's really what she was going for. Yeah. So basically, if you have that album higher on your list, you say, "Don't want your bullshit," and and you could sing it if you want, but you say that phrase, and then we will skip that round, and we will talk about the album when it is its highest. Capiche? Sounds like fun. Um, also, I I want to make a note that we are not doing um, we are not doing the compilation album. Um, I guess it's not a compilation. We're not doing her album. Uh, what's it called? A director's right. cut, which is like a re-recording of a bunch of her tracks. She she's kind of doing. She did the Taylor Swift thing. So I was about to say she's doing the Taylor Swift thing, but it's actually Taylor Swift is more doing the Kate Bush thing. Where like I don't know the, all the details before. of it, but I do know that she went and re-recorded some songs and put out an album um, of her own recordings of them, similar to what Taylor's doing right now, doing Taylor's version of Fearless and all the other albums that she doesn't um, have the rights for. It's like what what George Lucas keeps doing to his movies. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She added some CGI dinosaurs (laughs) into, you know, the sensual world and... Yeah. So on and so forth. I mean, she is very cinematic. So I, I don't know how she got dinosaurs uh, visually into her audio tracks, but, you know, she did it somehow. JK, JK. 
with today's today <laughs> CGI, we, <laughs> we can accomplish anything, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so she's got nine albums. So, yeah, let's get into it. Uh, Shan, you get to go first. I'm um, so excited, guys. Mm-hmm. I get to go first, yeah. okay? <laughs> what is your number nine? Oh, let me see here, y'all. Um, my number nine was Never Forever. I don't um, want your bullshit. Yeah. Don't want your bullshit. Don't want your bullshit. Um, Kellen, what is your number nine? Lionheart. Don't want your bullshit. Yeah. Don't want. Don't, don't want your want bullshit. It. Yeah. And uh, mine is something different too. So mine is mine's fifty words for snow, guys. Don't want your bullshit. Okay. Cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, I get that. Um. um Shannon, My list came down to the wire here. That was. It used mine used to be there, but it's it's not anymore. No, and I definitely I definitely we could talk about. Oh guys, we'll, we'll, we'll talk, talk about, about it. it. We'll talk about. Don't why get ahead of yourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Right, okay, so, okay. So okay. Shan, what is your number eight? My number eight was the sensual world. Don't want your bullshit. Don't want your bullshit. Okay. Um, I'm always on. feeling like I'm doing it wrong. <laughs> like yeah. the guests and Nick yeah. are always like, listen, Shannon. <laughs> Well, you do make some crazy picks sometimes, but this often happens in the beginning of the podcast. You know, we skip the first few rounds often. So, Kellen, what is your number eight? The kick inside. Don't want your bullshit. Yeah, don't want your bullshit. Okay, so again, once again, my my number eight, my number eight is Lionheart. So, don't want your bullshit. Right, it's going higher, but me and Kellen are pretty close on that one. Cool, so, guys. Pretty close. Shan, what is your number seven? My number seven is... The dreaming. Yeah, don't, I want, don't your bullshit. want your bullshit. Cool. My number seven okay. is Kellen, what 50 is your words. number seven? Oh. My number seven is 50 words for snow. Don't want your bullshit. Okay. Mine has already been said, so... Once again, Shan, you're uh, you're throwing this off. Just kidding. I know kidding. for real, but <laughs> um, you know it's my podcast. <laughs> okay, so my number seven is the sensual world. Oh, I do. I say that yeah, now. You say do I say again. I don't want your bullshit? Yeah. So Shan already had the sensual world, though, right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, okay. So now, are we ever going to talk about Kate Bush album? Jesus. No. This. Um, <laughs> Um, so Shannon, what is your number six? My number six is Lionheart. Okay, cool. Let's talk about it. Finally. Oh my goodness. Okay, so Lionheart. Here, I'm, I'm gonna set the table real quick for Lionheart. Lionheart was her second album. It came out in 1978. Uh, it was released on EMI. The producer was Andrew Powell. On Wikipedia, the uh, genres are art rock and baroque rock. Did Baroque. I say Baroque. Baroque. Baroque rock. I don't know what that is. So maybe you guys could explain it's that. It's like to me. a classical era. Yeah, I think it's like a desexualized cabaret. Okay. Okay. That makes right? sense. I, that checks out for this. Um, it's just, all the uh, ruffly collars and none of the right. fishnets. <laughs> um, the. Uh, some. Some uh, just quick facts about it. Uh, this album, <laughs> this album was um, quickly released after uh, her first album. So EMI, the the studio, the the record label, uh, per- pursued her to put out another album uh, quickly after this one. Um, she kind of felt like 
it was not her best work from what I've read about it is that the um, majority of the tracks were written like long before Lionheart and uh, she kind of felt like it was rushed a bit but then after this one is when she went on her huge tour which um, was extremely creative and you know we can go on about that but she uh, was very involved in the production the choreography and the set design the costume design and the hiring and all that so um Kellen, you had this at number eight or number nine at the bottom. Um, I will I say that I had it at the very bottom until I decided that Hammer Horror was my favorite closing track. So that bumped yeah. it to number eight for me. But the reason I had it at number eight or number nine, I was very close to number nine, was that I kind of was sided with Kate Bush and that it kind of felt like a rushed album. Like it kind of felt like her best work wasn't being put forward and almost every other album on her career, it felt like she was pushing boundaries a bit and pushing her limitations. And this one kind of felt like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I, I kind of feel like it almost could have just been included in the kick inside, which is her debut album, uh, which came out the same year. I, it's almost like a B side album yeah where and and i'll just preface this whole dialogue by saying there's like no kate bush that i don't love but i just feel like this one kind of lacks momentum there's like a lot of ballads and solo piano situations totally and it's it's still before like a lot of eclectic uh, instruments start getting involved in the arrangements and and whatnot. Yeah, Um, I think I had this one lower originally as well, but (laughs) yeah, it's been a journey, you guys. Kate Bush really, really has me. (laughs) I totally agree Um, with the, like, it, it feels like a lesser kick inside, which whatever, but uh, when I re-listened to it, I got like really excited about like how theatrical it was i don't know like my first listen i was like okay what okay sure and then by the time i got through kate bush's whole career and kind of had like more context for who she was as an artist i was really excited (laughs) to like re-listen to this one i don't know not my favorite but uh i like that opening track symphony in blue is that the opening track on that one yeah yeah yeah, I wrote that. And the, Oh England, my Lionheart's a really good song. Yeah, I wrote that like same thing. Like it was, it just felt like a lot of ballads. And like I wrote that like she has still super beautiful vocals, um, just not like as defined. And the production wasn't as stylized. Like I felt like even with the kick inside, there was some really stylized production. And to me, this one just felt more straightforward. Yeah. There's a song on here. I can't see the full title, and I'm I've never been good with like remembering song titles. Don't push your foot on the dot dot dot. Um, I'm like trying to find it. <laughs> if I remember correctly, you know. Well, let me just say like there are so, the way that don't push your foot oh, okay. on the heartbreak. Yeah. I seem to remember that song. But break is spelled B-R-A-K-E. So it's like, whoa. <laughs> I seem to remember that one reminding me of 
thin Lizzie where like you do get like a little bit of rock in this thing, but the way like what I've been trying to say about her, like progressiveness is that there's moments in songs that seem to only happen once. And you're like, Oh, I forgot that this part was in this song. And so that's kind of how I felt about all of Lionheart where it's like all these little pieces were in it that I didn't remember, but they stick with you on the whole though. I just felt like it was kind of conceptually uh, not as robust as the other offerings in her catalog. Yeah. Totally. Well, let's let's move on to the next one because we you know we do have nine albums to get through and we all had it pretty low. So, um, so that was Shannon's number uh, six. Is that correct? Yes. So that was Shannon's number six. Uh, Kellen, what was your number six? The dreaming. That was also my number six. Hey, look at us. That was my number seven. So that was your number seven. So we all have it pretty close. Okay, so uh, The Dreaming was uh, her fourth album that came out in 1982, so a few years later. Again, that was EMI that put it out. Uh, She was the main producer on this album. Uh, According to Wikipedia, uh, the genres, you know, Kellen, I just like bring up the genres according to Wikipedia because they're always Mm -hmm. like, they're always all roll over the place, but... uh, (laughs) According to Wikipedia, The Dreaming is art rock, avant pop, progressive pop, and progressive rock. So uh, the singles are Sat on Your Lap, The Dreaming, There Goes a Tenor, and Suspended in Gaffa. And um, yeah, Uh, this one, just a couple quick facts. Uh, This was recorded over two years, and she this is the first one where she was like entirely the main producer on it, and it's often characterized as her... uh, most uncommercial and experimental release so yeah well there goes all my observations (laughs) (laughs) oh my god you guys i love 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 that song suspended in gaffa yeah that's like yeah easily i don't know maybe not easily but it's one of my top five favorite kate bush songs (laughs) yeah so good i've been singing it all day today and it reminds me a lot of amanda palmer who is an artist that i love um, this whole album really like I don't know I was I was noticing a lot of like female artists like drawing influence from Kate Bush but like I'd never put it together or like I don't know totally <laughs> yeah a lot of this record reminds me of like young Joanna Newsom, and I feel like this record is her most vocally experiment like she's playing different characters she's braying like a mule (laughs) yeah she's her timbre just goes all over this crazy dynamic range the only reason i have this one so low is that it's like a lot of it is like pretty abrasive a lot of the drum production is like blah 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 and it's not always what i'm in the mood for but it's really interesting and theatrical yeah, I felt like this uh, <laughs> This album's crazy. I'm really looking at my notes on it. And yeah, what I wrote was uh, this album starts poppy, but then gets weird real quick. <laughs> um, I feel like she was embracing circus music, like on There Goes a Tenor. And then uh, the dreaming, the song, is like a nightmare. And it reminds me of uh, like 
like the David Lynch album, like you know, David Lynch puts out some music. <laughs> it reminds me of like the David Lynch music, but with you know, with nicer, with better vocals. You know, because <laughs> I feel like that's the big yeah. thing that's pulling David Lynch's music back is his his vocals just don't make yeah, any sense. Totally. And so you know, it's it's like at least at least she has they, a nice they voice. Could work together really well. Yeah, definitely. There goes the tenor. <laughs> Um, it's so good oh my god that song pull out the pin it like starts out really i don't know if you guys remember this one it starts out like pretty nice and then has just like screaming vocals in the background my notes for this yeah. one song are just like out of control it's like then it's got the bongos and very bendy bass line <laughs> yeah Oy. uh what about that guttural roll on, roar on houdini uh big big fan of that noise that she makes there in that song <laughs> Is that what's the one where she's like, yeah, it's like it is like full on like it kind of reminds me of like Karen O in like the in the yeah, 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 like live performances where she's got the microphone like halfway, you know, down her throat. Yeah. And uh, this one is actually I actually, you know. I haven't listened to this one as much as I probably should have. I listened to it like three or four times preparing for this, but it really feels like such a fever dream the whole time that it like all washes together for me. Um, mm, yeah. But it's kind of, I feel like it. every artist has a good example in an album of like, okay, this is when they realized their massive potential, you know, kind of like, okay, computer for Radiohead or like, you know, where they're like, okay, we like, we're not just going to do this like thing that we have become notable for. There's, there's more going on. Right. The, The like transcendent album where you could, you have to take that big swing, that big experimental sw- swing to like get to the next level of your career. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I think it's notable too, that uh, apparently both Bjork and big boy cited the dreaming as one of their favorite albums. So <laughs> that's pretty cool. Um, and yeah, you can totally hear that. Too. Like all the wild production in this record totally reminds me of Bjork and I kind of always felt like Bjork's albums were all over the place too and and so yeah, we should do Bjork yeah we almost did Bjork uh last season right now no no yeah, <laughs> yeah. changing it up uh, mid-podcast here we go <laughs> just kidding um uh, there were a couple other references on here too. Like just reading through her Wikipedia pages are pretty fun because she really is into film and also like other sorts of like media. Like she really pulls a lot yeah. of inspiration from like all sorts of places. And um, one thing that, you know, stood out for me was that the last song in the song, get out of my house was uh, inspired by the shining. Yeah. That yeah. song's scary. Yeah. This is a pretty scary album. Like, it's tell them scary. you're not wrong with the, uh, you know, I, I I had it lower too because, yeah, it just, often I'm just not in the mood for this. <laughs> yeah, I, this, okay, this is kind of like sh- telling about about how I feel about this whole discography is that, like, my, my last note on this album is what I didn't really like about the album at first is now what I like about it. 
Sure. And like I have just gone through such a roller coaster of trying to rank these albums because they all have is... such like I don't know such pros and cons or such like high po- points and low points and they're kind of the same. I don't know. Right. I feel like this is her yeezus. A really cool production. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> I get that. I mean, yeah, that one is it's very it's, abrasive. Yeezus is pretty abrasive. Um, this one's pretty, yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, that was her fourth album. I I feel like we could definitely move on to the next one now. Yeah. Um, so again, so Shan, what number was that for you? That was my number seven. Okay, so that was uh, that was my six. That was my six, and that was also Kellen's six. So, uh, Shannon, what was your number five? My number five is the album called Ariel. Ariel, uh, I don't want your bullshit. Oh, that is also my number five. Oh, wow. Okay, guys. Cool. Cool. Well, we'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> my number five is Hounds of Love. Oh, I don't want your bullshit. I don't want your bullshit. Okay, cool. Fair enough. Get fair it enough. out of here. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Um, excited to talk about the similarities between Hounds of Love and Ariel, though, so we'll get to that later. Um, so, Shannon, what is your number four? Wait, let me do five, five. Okay, four for me is uh, 50 Words for Snow. Okay, cool. Let's talk about it. You guys, I know. I tried Whoa, really hard to not have there. like a really crazy. really high, Shannon. <laughs> Okay, I always have like apparently I always have like a crazy one that I just threw in there, but I I this album rules and no, it's beautiful. Go set the table and it, I'll talk about my feelings. Yes, yeah. I mean it's a beautiful album. I don't really want to rain on your parade because it, you know it is beautiful. Um, but yeah, I'll set the table really quick. So, Fifty Words for Snow is her last album. It came out. Um, it's her ninth album. It came out in twenty eleven. Uh, real quick, I mean that was. Years after her previous album, which uh, was Ariel. Six years. Yeah, six years. uh, That came out in 2005. So between 2005 and 2011, you know, I mean, it's it's, it's quite a bit. Um, This album was released on Fish People, which is her her record label. Uh, She was the main producer on it. And Wikipedia calls this one Art Pop and Chamber Pop. And the single off this one is Wild Man. So, um... Yeah, um, I have I have one uh, simple big reason why it was um, my last album right now. Okay, go on. What is it? Nick? Um, I had a hard time getting through it because it's like the beginning of the spring. Every day it's been super sunny out that we're listening to this, <laughs> and like this album is about snow. Like it just it's just slow, quiet songs. That are like, that feels like she recorded inside of a church, and it's just like echoey, quiet oh music God, about snow falling. And I'm just you're like, saying is amazing. I'm just like, <laughs> the sun is outside, and I want to go outside and listen to some pop music, and not like be, you know, hold up inside, you know, thinking about snow. And so, yeah, I'm sorry, guys, but if I listen to this like in December, yeah, it'd probably be a lot higher. But, um, you know, that's an interesting point, though. Hey. 
this is my number seven, so you know. <laughs> so Gallum's right there with number me. Number four, baby. This uh, that's an interesting point about like environment and what you're listening to. Like I did spend a lot of time listening to this album while rocking our baby to sleep okay. in like a dark Aww. room, and it was just really lovely. Okay. And um, I don't know. I was just so impressed that this being her last album, it was like so apparent that it was like a full creative vision. And she's not just doing this like, you know, oh, I'm going to I'm going to put out another album, but it's going to be like my old stuff or or anything like she's such an artist that she was like still doing new things. I mean, I can't do math. It's not like when Madonna started rapping or anything. I mean, she was doing new things. Too. I mean, yeah, I mean that's a new thing. But I hear what you're saying, though. Like that's very true. In that, like, it was often people me... get older, and like you know, we did Moss Mouse in the last episode. Like their their album was their final album was them phoning it, not phoning it in, but it, yeah, it kind of felt like okay, this is just more of the same, whatever. Well, and, and this is like on her label. Like she's yeah. just so I don't know. She's just such an artist, and I the whole album was just like so. Um, perfectly put together it was totally like what what she wanted it to be and uh it was giving me kind of like bowie vibes of like you know black star like just end of career of this like amazing musician um i mean not end of career but you know her last album well you never know (laughs) and uh yeah i don't know elton john was on that on that one track loved that (laughs) yeah which track was elton john on Snowden at Wheeler Street. Oh, right, right. That was It's him. just not ever like... like I don't want to lose yeah. you. Right. Yeah. I didn't know who that was. I mean, honestly, I'm sorry. I just didn't look it up. But I, I definitely remember him singing. Dog. I just didn't know it was him. Yeah, so when I've been prepping for this show, all of my listening that I've done, I, I go on this like really long walk every day when I wake up like seven miles because i've been in quarantine for 406 days and i just you know trying not to go trying not to go mental uh and one of my favorite things in general about kate bush is that and it was especially apparent while i was doing this is that when i'm walking down the street on a sunny day her music makes me feel like i'm in a different place than what my eyes are looking at you know what i mean like and Mm, the reason that this album so this album is the one that i have listened to the least but it was the first album i ever heard from her um Mm. and what made it climb from the bottom of my list in recent history is that i feel like this album paints a picture and puts you like you're like the little yellow guy on google maps it puts you <laughs> in the world of the album better than any of her albums do in my opinion the only reason it's as low as it is on my list still is the song 50 words for snow <laughs> which i think is just kind of conceptually funny and doesn't really emotionally affect me at all it's not very poignant to me like you could do you could do like 50 words for anything like 50 words for your butt (laughs) one heine that sounds like a real fun song (laughs) keister yeah totally and 
just like the chorus where she's like, come on, Joe, you got 22 more words for snow. <laughs> but also, doesn't that just seem like very Kate Bush at this point? It is. <laughs> and there, she has another song that's pretty similar to this. But oh. it's on a different album that we'll talk about later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it definitely is a harder album to revisit. It has, like, much lower re-listening quality, but... I just I I think I listened to it all the way through twice and um yeah I don't know I just had a hard time finding too many flaws with it yeah I mean I think you're both totally right I I agree that Kate Bush's music transports you she is really cinematic and uh, I I could bring that sort of description up um, with a few other albums and I think for me it's just the mood you know I'm I'm really I, I I hear you. Like I, I could see that being a really nice thing of listening to this while rocking a baby to sleep in a dark yeah, room. Yeah. I it also was. like I'm excited for the next time I get an opportunity to be in the snow and in the dark like nighttime snow, headphones, Kate Bush, fifty words for snow. I'm gonna go for a walk and just really meditate with this. So that's what I'm looking forward to with this one. And then yeah, maybe it'll bump up a few slots next time we do this episode (laughs) totally hey yo i just wanted to cut in on myself really quick and tell you about another podcast the monthly movie dispatch it's a weekly show that i do with my friends brandon bolby Derek deal and sean bolby and every week we get together we review a brand new movie we talk about some film news go over some other relevant type movie stuff and really just chat about new movies with our friends. You know, that's what all of this is about. Just hanging out and talking with friends and staying connected with people. So if you're looking for a movie review show from friends that you can trust, check out the Monthly Movie Dispatch. We go live every Tuesday and we will give you tips on new movies that are coming out and what to look for and what to avoid. And we have a lot of fun with that. So look for the Monthly Movie Dispatch on YouTube or any other place where you might find your podcasts. Thanks a lot and enjoy the show. Okay, so Kellen, what was your number three? Or, I'm sorry, what was your number four? My number four was The Red Shoes. Don't want your bullshit. Just want your sexuality. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> punning. Um, my number four is Never Forever. Wow. Don't want your bullshit. Okay. Wow, you guys, I'm sorry to have thrown you off so much. Okay, go Where on. did you have Never Forever? Oh, it was just number nine. Okay. <laughs> this is like Quantum Leap. Gosh, jeez. Okay, know. um kick me off the podcast. Okay, so uh so Shan, what is your number three then? My number three, y'all, is Hounds of Love. I don't want your bullshit. Cool. Fair mm. enough, fair enough. Um Kellen, what is your number three? The sensual world. Yeah, that was my number seven. And that was my number eight. Cool. Well, let's talk about that. Um, real quick, let me set the table for the sensual world. Um, the sensual world was uh, her sixth album. So that was, you know, in the meat of her career. Her last album from the 80s. It came out in 1989. Again, put up by EMI. Um, she produced this one. 
and uh, Wikipedia describes the genres as art rock, alternative rock, and progressive pop. Uh, the singles are The Sensual World, The Woman's World, and Love and Anger. Um, and she described this album as uh, her, her most honest, personal album. So, there's that. Kellen, you had this the highest. Yes, I did. Um, and, uh, yeah, I would say that I do get... I mean, it has a perfect title, The Sensual World. It is like the... You can... There's a lot of her material that um, whisks you off to fantastic places or tells great stories that you wouldn't normally hear in songs. But this one actually, like, I think more often than any other one causes emotional reactions to start happening. Okay. Um, it's also, you know, I... I feel like there's this sweet spot in the middle of her discography where all the instrumentation really works really well um and it's kind of like it's immediately following hounds of love um and i feel like it's kind of the trademark sound for kate bush if if people are just gonna make a, a generic sketch of how she sounds um yeah, we've talked about this concept on other podcasts. Like, I feel like Beck, for example, like it was like modern modern guilt isn't Beck's number one album, but it might be the album that like sounds like Beck's sound. You know, like oh yeah, uh, that's the one that sounds like that artist, kind of yeah. stereotypically. Shan, where where did you where did you have Kate Bush on your list, or, or where did you have the sensual? Oh, I think for me it was. Let me look at my list. It was like number eight, eight for something. me. Okay, so you Crazy. had it close to the bottom. What was your deal with this? <laughs> what was my deal? <laughs> what is my deal? Um, you know, I'm looking over my notes. I didn't have anything negative to say about it. It just, like, wasn't... I wasn't grooving with it, you know? Like, it may be that thing where it's... Uh, I can't even say that it's, like, very 80s. Well, so from... <laughs> so from... I mean, Kellen, you said something about how this album really makes you feel. And um, the people, people, not just you, but people really connect with this one in a really deeply emotional way. And for me, at least, like, I think that maybe I don't want to project anything on you, Shan, but I think that, like, my lack of experience with Kate Bush and only having, like, two weeks to go through her whole discography kind of held mm -hmm. this one back a little bit for me. Um, okay. Like, for me, I love the guitar work. Like, I thought the guitar was, like, the best on this album. And it... It, it reminded me of Toon Yards a little bit, too. Like, how she would oh, have, yeah. like, those, like, bleeps and, like, kind of, like, the time signatures would change quite a bit. Like, there was some really, really cool instrumentation. But also, there was, like, a vibe to this album. You know, the vibe was very much there. And I didn't fully connect with the vibe. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Some of that guitar that you're talking about is David Gilmore from Pink Floyd, ah. who, who discovered Kate Bush, I guess. Which is um, so cool. Isn't that cool? I think, <laughs> I, think I read so. I read somewhere that they had like dated for a little bit, but um, that's neither here nor there. But um, yeah, I before we did this podcast thing, the sensual world was typically what I would listen to in between. Like 
I would listen to like one of my favorite Kate Bush albums and then I would listen to that and then I would listen to something else. It was almost like a like a palate cleanser and it always just kind of like I don't think I ever just put that one on specifically. But the more I listened to it, the higher it climbed for me. Um, and while we were we had some technical difficulties and some some uh, babies waking up too. But while we were uh, away from the mic, Shannon and I were talking and I told her I had a lot of questions for her specifically. Um, and I feel <laughs> like that, like there's so many songs in Kate Bush's thing that have to do with some kind of maternal either spirit guide or like feelings of being a mom or being like in the womb did you connect with stuff like that like oh my god i always connect with stuff like like that this woman's work like the closing song on this album is like i don't know if you guys watched the music video but it like make it makes me cry we watched some music videos, but not that one. We did not watch the music video for that one. I could tell you which songs we watched it's music bleak. videos for, and it wasn't that one. Um, no, I okay. And here's the problem with only having two weeks is like I can't dive into like all the lyrics very deeply. Right. Often, you know, I kind of like pick and choose. So, on that note, like some things are lost on me. Um, I do love a strong woman, and I love like the imagery from, especially. I mean, this isn't sensual world but um never forever has that badass artwork (laughs) where she's like birthing the world under her dress yeah (laughs) that's sweet love that great album cover but i mean like i i'm looking at my playlist and seeing like i pulled off a lot of songs off of this album like it's a great album it's so low on my list but like i totally agree with what you said there's no bad kate bush albums i like all of them um and I'm, I am like really excited to like revisit these. That that sound you were talking about, I think like heads were heads were dancing. Heads. That's the two nerd song. I think so. I've called that one out as being like just. It seems way ahead of its time. Yeah, Kellen, do you have a favorite song on this album? Uh, I like "Deeper Understanding," and "Rocket's okay. Tale" particularly. There's this breakdown in rocket's tail where it goes from this choral you remember like at uh marysville junior high they had the madrigal choir i didn't and it was like oh you didn't did me neither but i'm aware of the madrigal choir (laughs) i don't think they were the only people who had one but like no i'm aware of that particular madrigal choir (laughs) but oh okay she went to Cedar just, Crest, went to 10th Street. Come on, Mary's will represent. Oh, dang, dog. Yeah. I guess that's why I didn't see you till Pilchuck or whatever. Yeah. But um, the Madrigal Choir, for listeners, was like girls singing like treble and n- noise and sounds, but not necessarily words. And there's so much of that in Kate Bush's like extended um, lexicon, I I guess. But in Rocket's Tale, it's like right out front for the first part of the song. And then it just like goes into this like rockin' arena thing where the vocals are just like, blah! Yeah. Um, Yeah, I have a note about that one for sure. 
so epic. That's what I wrote about that it's, song. Yeah, it's really epic. So good. But then, uh, yeah. I I kind of feel like this is her, like, Fleetwood Mac rumors. There's, like, a lot of r- romantic uh, turbulence and vulnerability. And not, not as much um, storytelling. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a really good album, and yeah, like I said, I mean, I'd like to, I, I'd like to dig into it further. I just, I, I say this every podcast where, um, you know, if we were to remake this list, you know, next week, next month, two hours from now, it, yeah. it would look different. So, um, you know, uh, I definitely think that with more time with Kate Bush, um, things will change, and you know, I'm. Just having you compare it to Fleetwood Mac's rumors, I'm like, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. That makes sense. And I know. I'm like already like, I got to go could, back and re-listen to this yeah, and see what's going the, on. Turn on yeah. after this or it could be the black and white cover. I'm kind of like, I associate a lot of things with color and stuff. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, okay. Yeah. Well, uh, let's move on to our next one. Um, that was... Number three. That was my was number, number three. three. Kellen's okay, number so three. That was Kellen's number three. Um, my number three was the kick inside. Don't want your bullshit. Okay, cool. Um, Dang. Yeah. Okay, so let's go to our number twos. Wow. So, Shan, what is your number two? Hey, my number two is the kick inside. Okay, oh, my inside. goodness gracious. Let's talk about it. I'm glad that it's there. Um, Wait, where was this with you, Kellen? This is my number eight. Number eight. So, much lower. Um the kick inside was her first album so this was released in 1978 off of emi records the producers were andrew powell and david gilmore who discovered her who's also in pink floyd uh the album genres are art rock art pop and i'm sorry i said this word wrong last time I'm about to say it again uh baroque baroque pop you got it so the singles are wuthering heights moving the heavy people the man with the child in his eyes and strange phenomenon um, so just quick, some quick fun facts. The Kick Inside was released when Bush was 19, but uh, some of the songs were written as early as 13. Um, and she was the first British woman to reach number one on the UK charts with um, a self with a self written song. So um, also apparently David Gilmore um, w- showed EMI her demos while they were recording "Wish You Were Here," and that's what led them to get her signed. Yeah, so hella cool. So cool. <laughs> um, Kellen, you had this the lowest out of us, um, and I had the highest. Shan, no, Shan had the highest. Um, I'm kind of, I'm kind of curious what the difference is. You know, um, as a longtime Kate Bush fan and as new Kate Bush people, I can tell you what I liked about it, but um, I, I feel like I liked kind of like how poppy it was, and I felt like it mm-hmm. was just really it was fully realized right from the get-go and it was you know kind of like the taylor swift thing where like the the first album is just so so pure it's just like right. i have all these songs that i've been written i've been writing for years and they're yeah. good and and here you go and it just it felt so refreshing right for, right out of the gate um what say you yeah the only reason i have it so low is that um it's like the 
first thing. So some of the sounds, like I feel like it's really, really stripped down from what would come to be. You know what I mean? Like it's, you can actually hear like, okay, she got a band, you know, she has a band behind her. Whereas yeah. in other ones, you're like, is that an aardvark? Do I hear <laughs> an aardvark? Yeah. Or, you know, whale sound. I th- actually, I think there are whale sounds on the kick and suck. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I love, like, every single song on this record. And it's definitely my favorite album cover. Uh, she's, like, strapped to a kite flying over a eyeball i think or like a some kind of stylized clock face that looks like an eyeball yeah it's wild and there's like chinese lettering you know it looks like a takeout menu yeah i don't know there's all kinds of stuff going on and she's so young and the writing is all uh really great i love you know lyricists that's a big focus for me Totally. Um, and she's one of my favorites. So this is like showcasing of young talent. I mean, you asked me just a moment ago if I connected with any of her uh, like uh, maternal qualities. And although she was 19, I like so this song Strange Phenomena is just like about women syncing up their menstrual cycles. And I love it. it I love it. Yeah, she's like, she's like talking about the moon and and uh, I don't know. I read those lyrics and was like, oh yes, you're awesome. You're 19 writing this like awesome song. Yeah, I wrote as a note on this one. Uh, Such young feminine power. Yeah, seriously. And uh, exactly what you're saying about like it's the first thing like. I, I I always put the first thing high on my list. She does. Sharon I like does. love. She loves I just like have. S- I love album. some lo-fi. I love. I, I get, It's the. It's for the exact same reason where it's like, oh, but this was like the blueprint. Like, yeah. I yeah. just get foundation. so much enjoyment it's a strong, out of being like, yeah. Really strong foundation to build on. Well, especially like not ever having listened to Kate Bush at all before. Like this was my first intro and being like that this is unique. Yeah. <laughs> this is wild. I've not really heard a lot like this. Her voice is fucking high pitched and like um <laughs> Can I tell you guys what hooked me? Yeah. Like again, like I limited Kate Bush experience, turn on her first album the first track, I'm like, all right, this is haunting. This is pretty cool. She's got a great voice. And it kind of just transitions seamlessly into the second tra- track, the saxophone song, which I just mentioned I went to 10th Street, where you have to play an instrument. Hey. I played alto. Look and at you, then she goes, big guy. And then she, she goes, uh, play your saxophone, or whatever the lyric is. And then the saxophone just comes in like a monster truck. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> And I was just like, oh, yeah, I love saxophones. They don't put saxophone in enough, like, contemporary music anymore. Oh, not at all. It's, like, hardly ever there. So I just got, like, I just, I basically did one of those, like, like, just, like, forward fist bumps, you know? Like, I wasn't fist bumping anyone. I was just punching the air really hard, like, yes, I love it. And I just got really jacked up about about Kate Bush uh, in that saxophone moment. She, she's empowering women. She's empowering sax men. 
<laughs> yes. Yes. Um, it was really like, uh, I was feeling like Cocteau Twins vibes. If you guys ever listened to Cocteau Twins. Yeah. Cocteau Twins. Oh, yeah. It was, but it was like. Oh, you um, got to do an episode for them. I don't know. How many albums do they have? Anyway, we'll, we'll talk. A lot. Um, <laughs> 25. I'm sorry. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, this album just like seems very, I mean, a lot of her albums, I feel like very representative of the time period that they came out for this one it's like love 70s music this one connected with me but also you can really tell she's pushing the boundaries and um just like writing the map for for future musicians and yeah it was a really awesome intro to kate bush i love this album what are the other songs like Kite? Love Kite. Kite's great. Um, mm-hmm. The big single on it is, I think the first big single is Weathering Heights. Which, which is also an amazing song. It's a great song. Um, I'm a bigger fan of the other single, um, James and the Cold Gun. Um, that one's got a lot of... Yeah. That one's got a lot of rock elements to it, which I, I liked a lot. I think I misspoke earlier, but this is the, the James and the Cold Gun. That's the one that reminds me of Thin Lizzy. Oh, sure. sure. I love Thin Lizzy. Uh, and one of my favorite things i think i tried to say this earlier before the wi-fi cut out but um i love how much there's like more fretless bass on kate bush records than like any other artist that i can think of there's like a a famous period in Joni mitchell's career where she worked with jaco pistorius who's like and i'm a bass player so i'm I know, I was kind just of a, about to say, for those of you who don't but, know. Yeah, just, just for the yeah context. Uh, like in his, uh, Joni Mitchell's album, Hajira, like Jacko Pistorius was in that. And I love that album because of all the fretless bass. But it's like all over most of her albums, like up until... It's, it's on pretty much all of them. And her longtime partner was usually the guy playing it. So and it it just has a way of you play a fretless bass different where most of the time that it's incorporated in a song it's more of a duet with the singer mm. than if you were just putting like a generic bass on it. Is that um the Macintosh guy? Um his name was Del Palmer. Oh, okay, okay. I think but, then she then she married another guy and yeah i i tried to follow the personnel on these albums and there's so many people involved yeah that i just i put my brain in a pretzel sure i had the same thing i mean not probably not as deep as you but i i definitely glanced at that on wikipedia and was like oh my god there's way too many people i just kept hearing male vocals like throughout her discography and being like who is that and googling it and be like oh that's her husband i think his name was uh like dan mcintosh or something like that can't um, remember yeah. yeah but anyway so i mean that's that's her first album I th- really great um yeah I, I think we should move on to the next one so shan that was your number two uh kellen what is your number two never forever uh i don't want none of your bullshit <laughs> whoa hey uh, wait actually wait no i'm sorry <gasps> oh i already said never forever that was my number four I was right. looking at my first list. I basically made I made <laughs> my list, and then I re-listened to all of her albums and re- redid it. Re- and I, yeah, um, that 
Okay. That was my number one for a bit, but wow. uh, it turned out to be my number four. So wow. okay, okay. And you got so, it, Shannon. You've got it way down there. Yeah. Number nine. <laughs> oh my Lord. god! You're number nine. I'm okay. I'm so sorry. So uh, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> this mask. You're you're wrong, but be... it's okay. Yeah. Um, never forever. Real quick, saying the saying the table for never forever. Never forever was her third album. Um, it came out in 1980. Um, producers were Kate Bush and John Kelly. Uh, genres art rock, rock rock, and progressive pop. The singles were Breathing, Babushka, and Army Dreamers. And this was her first number one album and was also the first album by a British female solo artist to top the UK album charts. So, um, yeah. Kellen, this was number, your number two. Very high. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, what, um, what's your take on this one? Um... This was like the culmination of her early sound, I think. So this this is right before the dreaming comes out, and we already talked about how wild and weird that is. But this is like <laughs> the tip. Is this is like the tipping point of that foundation that we that we just mentioned in the kick inside, where it's like more weird instruments start getting involved um more weird voices and stories but for me the kind of the benchmark for a great album in just in music is i love when there's when the album itself is the piece of art where it's like from track one to track 10 or or whatever is like a continuous experience uh that's sort of seamless and this album seems pretty seamless to me it's got a little bit of everything um i think it's like one of her weirdest it's like some of the weirdest music that you can hear but it's still (laughs) undeniable Right, it's like it's not. It's pretty weird, but it's also not like it's also not like as weird as the dreaming, which we talked about earlier. Like it's right. not like David Lynch or circus music weird. <laughs> it's just like it is pop music, but it's, it's different. Also, I'll put him on my wedding list. Right, yeah. and then, I, for me, like this album is like like there's a song violin, which I've never heard a song rock so hard about a violin. <laughs> yeah. Like the song is yeah. about a violin. She's like. Wah! like going crazy on it i you also know? have like that same note <laughs> it's kind of a weird instrument you got to tuck it under your neck i would yeah. imagine that the the repetitive stress from doing that just makes you into a real angry person yeah you know um yeah i also i also noticed all the variety of styles on this album i i really loved the production on all we ever look for and Egypt, especially the breakdown on Egypt. Like the end yeah. of Egypt is nuts. Yeah. Pretty like, into that. Yeah. I, for me, I'm like looking at my list being like, I don't know why it's so low guys, but it is. I don't know. The, the big songs on it that I like, I really liked. Like, what was it? What did you just say? All we ever... All look for look that's for. a really great song army dreamers is great but then i'm re- and like babushka is like classic we watched that music video last night yeah um oh and she's dancing with that upright bass i mean <laughs> man Kellen's in love yeah, I, seriously <laughs> yeah, i'm blushing right now 
<laughs> but um, yeah, like, but then yeah, like some of the weirder elements of it like really took me out of it for for me personally. Like, is it the infant list, kiss? <laughs> wedding list and violin. Honestly, the infant kiss did take me out of it a bit. Yeah, a little creepy. <laughs> so both those songs are film references actually it's kind of interesting like this is the first one where i noticed that she was like really like um i guess besides hammer horror like this one like uh the wedding list is based on a Truffaut uh new french new wave film uh the bride wore black um the innocence um the classic horror movie um is based on the infant kiss or i mean the vi- vice, versa. vice versa the infant kiss was based on the innocence um so yeah i mean for me it's like i think that all that kind of stuff is really cool for how she loves cinema and then will like write songs based on cinema for sure yeah it took me a while to catch on to the that she like um is often most often like storytelling as opposed to like writing autobiographical songs right yeah I, I think so. At least, yeah. She seems like a, she. It took me plays... quite a while to catch on to like that because again, it's like hard to really like listen to like lyrics. the lyrics yeah. so in depth when you're brand new. But um, that might really, have, I think that would affect a re-listen on this too. But yeah, I th- I think that she. So, regarding like this coming out like at the tail end of this. Or I, it's in 1980 like something that I like about Kate Bush is that she seems to play characters and affect her voice to suit the character and that totally reminds me of like Freddie Mercury you know and this was happening at the same time and I feel like it it goes even harder than Queen sometimes in in different ways but like everyone knows who queen is and not a lot of people seem to know at least in america who kate bush is um but one thing i was going to say about this record is that i was listening to all these while i was going on my little walks and every song on this record for some reason made me feel like i had to strut (laughs) down the street or usually i'm trying to like Usually I'm trying to be as unassuming as possible and just blend in yeah. with the trees, you know. But this was like, I'm so cool, man. I'm a fucking yeah. violin. Well, this like, was right, yeah. this was right <laughs> after her big tour, right? I mean, the, like she toured after right. Lionheart, so she went this huge tour uh, full of costumes and set designs and all sorts of stuff, and then you know she comes back full of confidence and puts out this like fully realized like hard pop album, and and reportedly she didn't necessarily ever intend to not tour again but that she got so involved with the visual aspects and projects with recording uh that it just kind of felt touring fell by the wayside and she just became like really involved with recording music and then making videos which is also just like she's such an artist like very much she's clearly i mean there's obviously there's a part of any performer that's like in it for fame but like to not be touring and having like the instant gratification of people screaming at you but to like just keep doing your art is very cool yeah so kellen that was your number two 
That's correct. Um, can we move on to my number two? Yes, we can, Nick. Okay, cool. My number two um, is Ariel. Very cool. So All you right. both had that a little bit lower. Um, real quick, saying the table for this one. Uh, Ariel was her eighth album. So it came out in 2005. This came after a long break. Um, previous to this, The Red Shoes came out in 1993. So this came out in 2005. Um, EMI put this one out. She was the main producer on it. The genres are art rock and progressive rock. Lead single was King of the Mountain, the first track. And um, Ariel is Bush's first double album and was uh, released after a 12-year absence from the music industry. She, during that time, she devoted her time to being, to raising her family, to raising her son. Um, thematically, this album is divided into two distinct collections. The first disc is subtitled A Sea of Honey, and it's um, mostly unrelated songs, just regular pop songs or what, what have you. Um, the second disc is subtitled A Sky of Honey, and it consists of a single piece of music revealing in its experience of outdoor adventures on a single summer day, beginning in the morning and ending 24 hours later with the next sunrise. So, that being said, um, I'll admit the first time I listened to this album, I kind of got stuck on it. I was actually kind of nervous because it took me like, I had to keep starting it over, like over the course of a few days. Like the first seven Kate Bush albums, it was like, bam, bam, bam. I was just like, listen to it. Great. Next one. Listen to it. Wonderful. And I just like kept going through them. And then this one came and it was like, I got like two songs in and then I got like distracted and I was like, okay, I'll have to come back to you later. Next day comes along. Okay. Listen to three songs. Okay. Uh, how many songs are on this? Oh my God. This album is like an hour and 20 minutes long. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Come back the next day. Uh, I got three songs. Oh my God. But then finally, I kind of did your thing, Kellen. I went for a long walk, and I listened to basically the whole album, and um, and I was incredibly moved by it. And I, I afterward, I looked it up and realized that the two sides were two distinct things, and um, I just, I just loved, I just loved it. I just loved the songs on the first half, and I loved how engrossing and visual the second half was. I mean, you were talking earlier about being transported to a different place. That's kind of what happened to me with this one. So, uh, yeah, I just this one had a potential to be my number one, and cool. it, it didn't quite make it there, but I, I thought it was really great. Shang, where did you have this one? I had this in number. Five. And Kellen, you had it around there too, right? It was also by number five. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I kind of I didn't realize totally like the the difference between the first disc and the second disc. Um, although in my notes I'm like the second half is or the second part is stronger, in my okay. opinion. But that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean the the second half is like full of really awesome like production like it's got the whole orchestra parts and violins and strings sweeping in oh god but there are some like really good tracks on that first disc birdie i like that song a lot how to be invisible like that one king of the mountains kind of a banger it's like the the obvious it's like the obvious track but like that's a good first track definitely 
And then pie is her reciting pie. Is that what you were talking about earlier? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the first version of 50 Words for Snow, which is yeah. 50 numbers for another number. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, A math teacher would love that track, though. It's room for all like, those math teachers. So I was sick. actually I was going to ask you guys, like, if you know what pie is. I don't know what pie is. I stopped doing math in 10th grade, bro. 3.14. That's I'm far as I go. I'm kind of a dummy. Um, yeah, for me, I ca- it was it was an interesting experience with this one because I remember, like, I don't know, six or seven years ago when I got into Kate Bush at first, like, I was enjoying it so much that I was like, I should save some of her stuff for later. And I totally forgot that there was a volume two for this album <laughs> so this is my first time hearing that oh, and it, cool. it like skyrocketed in my list because yeah. i liked that second side so much like kind of reminds me of um i was like oh this is like the music version of ulysses by james joyce it's like homer's odyssey that takes place in 24 hours over this irish guy's life um because I'm, I'm kind of a book nerd too but uh yeah when it got to nocturne i was yeah. like second to last oh, whoa doggy yeah um that was the one for me too where like i just like started spacing out and i was like okay contemplating the natural order of all things let's <laughs> do this <laughs> you know it just was so deep and I feel like it's kind of a perfect segue, like the nighttime that this album ends. It's like if you go from this to 50 Words for Snow, you're just like, you're up all night, baby. <laughs> you guys know what that's like right now. Yeah. And so is she. I mean, this is after she was like raising a family. She's like, yeah. she's like that's, she took a break yeah. from the music industry raised a family and then came back and was just like contemplating it all. I feel like, you know, she was just yeah. was like now. And, and it's like, she dove all the way back in, you know, oh, yeah. it wasn't like she just like dabbled and like, Oh yeah, I'll go back. And what you were saying earlier, I'm going to go back and write some Kate Bush songs. It was like, yeah, here's some Kate Bush songs. And then here's an orchestra piece yeah. about, uh, about everything. Well, I mean, yeah, she's like, she's, she's like, I don't sounds really stupid. She seems so wise at this at yeah. this part of her life. Like she's forty seven when this album comes out. Um and it feels like she just like doesn't give a shit when anyone thinks she's writing a five minute long so song about a washing machine. Domestic. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It's like Mrs. Bartolozzi when she's like Washing Machine Washing yeah. Machine. I was like, Did John Henry write this? um it's yeah it's so good uh but also on that note i i have a i haven't like quite put all these thoughts together but my note on this album was this is mom music and i'm loving it like it just brought me back to like something my mom would have listened to in my childhood or like enya or something it it (laughs) literally sounds like a like like kind of like your guys's uh nick your parents house like you got the trees around you got your big yard you don't need the hustle and bustle anymore you're just gonna like there's this other book called duck's newberry port 
that came out a couple years ago and it's like a thousand some pages and but there's only eight sentences in the book it's like this suburban housewife's um stream of consciousness as she like goes about her daily chores that sounds and crazy. it totally reminded like this album <laughs> reminds me of that yeah, book yeah, yeah. too totally but yeah, yeah, that volume two was a was a great surprise for me. I, I really uh I forgot that I tucked that away. Yeah, that, that's a that's Hilarious. like a that's like a crazy <laughs> surprise for yourself. Just like yeah. hey, uh future Kellen, you're gonna be surprised exactly. by this. Oh my god, and you were the I got my self care game you... down, bro. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so that was my number two. That's Ariel. So let's move on to our number ones, guys. Oh, um, I've, I'll be honest. I kind of lost track of where we're at, so I don't know what your guys' number one. I, I don't know how to. Forget. I don't know how to punt a number one. How do you do that? <laughs> um, Turn so the Shen, whole game what, inside out. What is your number one? You guys, my number one is the red shoes. Yeah. Oh no, shit! That's my number one too. <laughs> it's not mine, cool. but I, it, I thought it was. <laughs> I thought it was before we did this. Oh. oh, interesting. Okay, okay. So we're not wrong. You know, the, this, <laughs> yeah. this no. happens sometimes where me and Shan will have like the number one, like the same, and it's like the but, we ge- were wrong. but the well, the, <laughs> the guest who knows more about the band doesn't have that number one or has it like quite a bit lower, and it's like, well, the newbies can't really like uh, have it be the number one, can it? Yeah. But I mean, it's so good. So what? 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 Where did you have this one? This is my number four, I think. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, I liked this one because of how many different types of songs were on it. And all of them were really, really good. Like I went through and like I said before, I made, you know, I make playlists for every time, uh, every time uh, we we do this whole thing. And it's a personal playlist. This isn't the one that I share with, you know, the world. But I, almost every song on this one eventually made its way onto the playlist. There were just so many great songs. Oh my songs. god, so many good songs on this. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, Song of Solomon, don't want your bullshit. There's our, <laughs> just want your sexuality. There's our punter. And she says sexuality is so Sexuality. Sexuality. She got that enunciation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only reason that this moved down is that I feel like where I was talking about like the the experience of like a continuous thing like a, a continuous experience throughout an album like I feel like there like I would rearrange the tracks a little bit mm. but okay yeah cool. I mean this is probably the album I've listened to more than any other one okay it's so good I'm like excited to like turn on this podcast off and go listen to it what was some of your favorite songs? Oh my gosh, Nick, you want to take this? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I mean, right from the get go, the first song, uh, "Rubber Band Girl," is full on pop. It's like, like it's, it's '80s all day, you know. And uh, I mean, it, this album came out in '93, but uh, this, it really was, uh, it, it was like, oh yeah, this one is like this is a full on pop song but then very quickly it like changes to like like i mean the the red shoes the song is like is like an irish jig 
You know, uh-huh. I, I was pretty into that. I um, did like that. I also wrote Fun Jig in my notes. Yeah. Um, Eat the Music is such a good track. I've been singing that all day today, just in my head. So good. Yeah, and um, I really liked Big Stripey Lie, which was um, like a really progressive rock song. I thought, uh, yeah, I mean, it was I love full. Top of the City too. Like that one was. Oh man. Probably one of my favorite of hers. Um, yeah. It's pretty epically. There's jam. some great ballads on this, like "In So Is Love," right after "Rubber Band." That's got Eric Clapton doing yeah. some uh okay, i thought cool. for sh- i thought for sure it was stevie ray vaughn but it was clapton um because it sounds just like the guitar in let's dance sure david bowie um i mean should we talk but, about why should i love you <laughs> yeah, i was just gonna say like one of my favorite things that's ever happened in the world is that kate bush sent this song why should i love you to prince and he completely like rearranged it, restructured it, sent it back to her, and then she layered some stuff on top of that. But we have a Kate Bush Prince collaboration on this album, and that song's awesome I too. Just love Prince so much. It's unreal, you know. It's it's unreal. I feel like anything with Prince, it's like it just unreal you know it's <laughs> you ever said episode love, new girl where prince shows up and you're right. just like shocked the whole episode i feel like that's how everyone's experience is with prince where you're just exactly. like am i really here is is this really happening and it's like listening to this song it's that same kind of thing of like is this is this real like yeah wow he has wow. he's such an inventive person and so is kate bush and they just i wish that there was more there probably is somewhere in his vault right yeah exactly i love that um one he's like quoting the baseline from um jungle love with (laughs) morris day and the time it's like and then he's got this guitar solo that is like the production of it is like he's playing the guitar solo but it's also like the solo is also being played on a synth and they kind of blend the two together. Yeah, I just like kept turning this one on. Like this was like after after this one came up, it like became a re- a reward, a little bit of like oh I'll get through that next one, and then I can like just go back and turn on the red shoes, you yeah. know, and get through the next one. So you turn knew pretty quick shoes. that it was gonna be your number one. I honestly changed it today. I thought the kick inside was gonna be my number one, but it was apparent like looking back at my listening like no the red shoes is my number one for sure yeah see for me like my first time my first time around i had the red shoes at number two and then um and then it bounced to number one and then ariel bounced to number one and then i switched it again and put the red shoes at number one so (laughs) i mean i feel this way more than any other discography that we've done where like i could just I could just go on reordering these. Like every time I turned on an album to be like, okay, I have to figure this out. Like I'm going to re-listen to this one. And it would like bump up higher. And like the bottom half of this list is just like totally interchangeable. And yeah. Yeah. It's it. Yeah. That was an interesting part for me. Cause I've never like ranked anything in my life. I think, except well, 
you know, we had our top eights on MySpace and I would rank my friends, you know, but <laughs> other than that, you know, I figured like that was kind of toxic, man. But, yeah. uh, I mean, ranking yeah, stuff like is a putting... fool's errand, you know, it's, uh, you ever read the Dharma bums? There's a quote in there right. where, uh, uh, something like comparisons are odious or something where it's just, it's, it's basically pointless. Whoa. Yeah. It's basically pointless to rank things. You know, uh-huh. but also to me, it's just like it's kind of fun. It's just a fun, indulgent kind of thing like, to do. Well, like it really doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything. Celebrity deathmatch. Oh hell yeah! <laughs> but um, showing my age. Uh, anyway, what were you saying though? Oh, it's just I like. Uh, yeah, this. It, she has a very compelling discography to do that with. I feel like it would be easier for me to do it with Talking Heads than it is for me to do it with her um totally also constellation of the heart is just just Mm. as a last note on for me on the red shoes like that song's just a banger it sounds like a pepsi commercial getting shot out of a cannon directly into your head you know i just i love it i love that song okay so kellen uh you're number one can anybody guess? I think I figured it out. I uh, wow, yeah. big time! Hounds of Love, baby, baby. Um, real quick, let me set the table for it. So, Hounds of Love came out in 1985. It was her fifth album. EMI put it out. This one again. Kate Bush was the main producer. Genres: art pop, progressive pop, art rock, and progressive rock. The big singles are uh, "Running Up a Hill." Cloud Busting, Hounds of Love, and The Big Sky. Um, man, this was a successful album. I mean, it was double platinum, uh, sold 1.1 million copies worldwide. You know, it, it's a big deal. Um, and also it had like the same kind of thing with Ariel that we talked earlier, where it was kind of a, a two sides kind of kind of thing. The album was produced as two suites. Um, side one being Hounds of Love and side two a seven track concept piece called the ninth wave. So, um, yeah. yeah. And that is, so this is like, you know, the most popular Kate Bush album. And when I started conceptualizing like how I would rank these, I'm like, well, this one can't be number one. Cause that wouldn't be cool. <laughs> All right. I wouldn't be like, you know coming up with some obscure stuff for everybody but listening like i think i listened to this record like four times when i was supposed to be listening to different ones to like refresh my brain but it's just like it's i feel like it has a sample of every type of kate bush flavor while still stitching it together in this continuous thing and it feels like an album that you couldn't like you couldn't make a movie out of it but you should try <laughs> like sure. it kind of yeah. like it kind of reminds me of um like Alejandro Jodorowsky stuff where there's like all these weird moods and weird colors and images that just kind of keep 
it's like listening to a dream or something like that like these are we watched some music videos last night yeah <laughs> yeah so Did yeah you, this was one we watched where, cloud busting isn't that sure. great <laughs> donald wild, sutherland we were like wait Love is that it. donald sutherland yeah <laughs> yeah Awesome. And it was super video. trippy too. I mean, it was like I was on drugs. You know, the there's parts of there. There's a part in that music video where he goes into uh, his house, and there's like a pendulum that's swinging right at the camera, where like somehow the walls feel like they're bending too. It's very surreal. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of gave me like insight into like, oh, she's so. I mean, she's so theatrical. You can hear it in the music, but like watching the music videos, like you suggested, I was like. Oh man, this is like opening up a whole new world of Kate Bush that I like hadn't fully. Right. I don't fully understand of just like how yeah and and how cinematic she is. Yeah, and it like to to me I love that there's cloud busting, like it like that song pumps you up, and it also kind of makes me want to cry. And I also don't really know what she's singing about you know a hundred percent right but it's it's kind of it sounds like it's you can you can feel the sunshine on it um a little bit and then with this album then you end up with songs like under ice where it it sounds like you are being hunted listening to the song or like and and that there's just darkness all around uh there's just so many different th- like the what did you say it was called like nine nine dreams or uh the ninth wave the ninth wave like that like side b like sweet is has so many cool moments actually just it's just i don't know i feel like the whole album is one big sweet i didn't really notice like two particular things but my favorite tracks, Mother Stands for Comfort. Yeah. Where it's like, you're a good mom, so you'll, like, not tell anybody when your kid's, like, a murderous maniac. <laughs> and uh, my favorite yep. Kate, Kate Bush song, <laughs> my favorite Kate Bush song just in general is Watching You Without Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Love it. Which is, that song is basically the the plot of um a ghost story that case of the affleck movie love that movie uh that, yeah yeah and yeah that that, that I, I i see that now i didn't make that connection when i was listening to it but i mean that movie is so beautiful i mean i talk about i bring that movie up all the time as a concept like shannon hasn't seen it but i was just telling her about like how i think that might be the most accurate way ghosts might exist as if they're just kind of stuck in time but their own sense of time yeah hard to describe but you're you're stuck somewhere and everything is going on around you but uh your spirit lingers on right in in uh i think i think it's tibetan buddhism they call it the bardo where it's like not necessarily purgatory but it's like the the place between one life and another and uh it's like where you visit your memories and your life like literally flashes before your eyes where you're like living in that space but this is like 
kind of doing that in a you're like watching someone move on without you yeah and it, but just i mean it's got this really cool upright bass line and really cool like drum pro i don't know if it's drum programming or if they've just got really cool drum production i'd have to listen to it again but yeah it yeah, goes it goes crazy places where she's like singing backwards yeah yeah <laughs> definitely my note is like this album is weird but not too weird you know like it walks like a really good line where it's like it's very li- very easy to listen to but like still pushing boundaries but not the dreaming <laughs> yeah <laughs> um this came out right after the dreaming though, right? So yeah. I think so that's like kind of what's cool about this one is that she like got she like went full in on the experimentation on the dreaming and then she kind of like reeled herself back out a little bit with Hounds of Love, wrote yeah. some good pop songs, but then also made a whole conceptual piece. It feels in. like the perfect mix. It's literally like because it happens between the dreaming and the sensual world, it's like the perfect melding of those two albums where it's like it's personal but it's also the most bizarre thing ever and you can't even figure out why yeah i just like i can't find any other music that sounds like this except for like a couple peter gabriel songs here and there yeah sure um yeah it just it feels like one of my favorite movies or something but yeah like 20 of my favorite movies smashed together i had such a blast watching that big boy interview about running up that hill yeah by the way how he's like uh my number ones were kate bush and i don't even remember else he's like my number two nwa yeah i'm like very cool that kind of makes sense when you listen to outcast i don't know how it makes sense but it kind of (laughs) does we we do out, we do outcast on on the show we did outcast uh that was our final episode of season one so we're recording this before um that episode came out but yeah totally big boys like a genius and uh, i love those guys yeah okay so should we combine our our rankings and do an ultimate kate bush album ranking did we go yeah, through all try. the records we did oh my god we did. okay i see how this works now <laughs> okay, so um, um, we're going to have to make some tough choices here. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, there's some discrepancies. Um, but, um, you know, I think that I think we could do it. Um, Kellen, would you be okay with the shoe, the red shoes being number one? Because me and Shan both had it at number one. Let's let's go for it. Cool. And then I, I think we could put Hounds of Love at number two, though. I, I don't know, Shan, I don't know where you had it, but I do think I always feel like I had it at number three. Okay, I mean, yeah, and I had a number five, but you know, um, that could have changed. It was much higher my five first time minus around. Three. Um, so is two. <laughs> yeah. So red shoes, and then hounds of love. Um, I had the kick inside at number at, at number three. Oh, and I had aerial at number two. What What was your number two, Kellen? My number two is never forever. What was your number two? Um, my number two was da, 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 what did I even have? Sorry, I'm looking at a bunch of lists right now. My number two was the kick inside. Okay. Um, 
Which, that's going to be a hard one, because it's two, three, and eight. And then... I think we should just flip those two, because you had Kellen's number two really low as well. So I feel... Kellen, would you be okay yeah, if we shame. did the kick inside at number three, and then had um, and then had Never Forever at number four? What did you have as your number three? My number three was the kick inside. Oh. Okay. <laughs> is that too high for you i think it's a little high when you consider everything else that's still there i mean i don't know i don't know what? i mean what would be the alternative because it was it was my number two i mean we could do what if we I feel like those two i feel like what if we ariel did for... i feel like ariel was pretty strong for everybody but we just didn't really i think i feel like we needed to talk about that one yeah, five, two, and five. It's pretty. It's I feel pretty like high. that one has to be five, though. <laughs> because so, we have to have the kick inside, kind of. Okay, why don't you guys there. just put it there? Well, no, but we could do I'm, Never Forever at number three. Kick I'm inside not get, number four. I'm not getting this list tattooed on my back or anything. Well, I am, so I want to make sure. Oh my sure goodness! Do you perfect. do this every episode? Every episode it ends you with should, the tattoo. You should see her back. You should. I mean, seriously. It looks and like a stinking playlist. We tried to do it like like the recording, but it just was not working out so well. Um, okay, <laughs> so uh, never forever at number four, three, number three, and then kick inside, and then Ariel, and then Ariel at number five, and then number six. Let's see, the dreaming. Was six, six, and seven. Sensual world, dog. <gasps> oh, oh. What happened? I'm sorry. To, what happened to yeah. that one? Sensual world. And then definitely. sensual world should go next, and then the dreaming, and then yeah, eight and nine. I feel like I feel like this is destined think, to have. I think Lionheart and go ahead. Fifty words for snow at the bottom. So I think I, I can, Lionheart. I go either way on it. I think Lionheart's at the bottom. Yeah, because I'm I'm fifty I'm words for snow that. has so much more craftsmanship going I, on i agree and my my reason for having snow there is just totally just emotional in the moment i definitely like if i were to be objective i would well, say that 50 yeah. words of snow is a better art piece of art you know it just it just is it right. was a more realized like vision of a piece of art lionheart's number nine okay we sure. did it guys we did it we've hey. gone through the albums we made so many lists okay so real quick let's go through the list do you want uh do you I'll want do the, to, I'll do the the numbers or the I don't care. Which one do you want? To I'll do? do the numbers. Okay, cool. Can you read my list? Yes. Okay. Oh, is this this is going to be just like 50 words for snow? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Number 1, Kate. <laughs> Number 2, Bush. Okay. Number 3, um, just, violin. I'm just ready oh, to go. Oh, I'm sorry. Number 3 was saxophone. Okay. Come on. Just ready to go okay. to bed. <laughs> okay. So at number 9, Lionheart. Number eight. Fifty words for snow. Seven. The dreaming. Six. Sensual world. Five. Ariel. Four. The kick inside. <laughs> Ariel. Ariel? <laughs> Three. Uh, never no. forever. Number two. Hounds of love. And coming uh. in at number one. The red shoes. Um, oh well thanks everybody for listening right. 
named inspired by that uh, that movie about uh, the shoes where uh, they bring her artistic powers. Juana Man? can't take them off. Is this Wizard of Oz? No, the movie's called The Red Shoes. It was mm. directed by Michael Posner, I think. It came out in like 1971 or something. Yeah, stupid. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> Kellen, thank you, thank you thanks, so much Kellen. for being thanks on the for show. Thanks, me, for, guys. thanks for encouraging us to dive deep into Kate Bush. It was a pleasure. I it's liked like, diving into this Zoom with your sunny faces. Yeah, and it's like really like honestly, it is one of these things where um, uh, if it weren't for you like encouraging us and having this be the featured artist on this podcast, like I, I would never know this much about Kate Bush, and now Maybe I'm gonna you go. Never would have listened to Kate Bush, right? Right, and now we're now we're going back out into the world, and it's like now I have the whole I have her whole discography to go back to all the time and have new experiences and memories with so now we can all go so much for that yeah we can we can go experience the director's cut which we have all collectively not listened to yet yes and then uh, and then the next time she tours (laughs) we can all go together (laughs) i was gonna say when it's when it's safe uh we can go do karaoke and uh and i'll do our own versions of um babushka babushka (laughs) (laughs) Okay. <laughs> anyway, right. Colin, thank you so much. Um, uh, stay tuned for what we're what we're having next. But uh, thank you for listening, and have a great day. Keep Thanks, listening. guys. You're the best. Thank you for listening to our Kate Bush episode. The next episode of the Discography Divers will be about Black Sabbath, but just the Ozzy Osbourne years. So start with Black Sabbath self-titled and work through their next eight albums, and then jump back in when he returns to the band. It's a fun journey, and play along with us if you wish. Thanks a lot, and have a great day.